Hello, this is David Keel, and I'd like to welcome you to TNBS, the Thursday Night Bible Study. This study was held on November 4th, 2010. Tonight we're going to be continuing our study of Romans, looking at the 14th chapter. So welcome again. This is TNBS, Volume 2, Session 28. Tonight we're going to pick it up in the 14th chapter of Romans. Now Paul has already made, in the, in several times in these first 13 chapters, Paul has already made the point of the equality between the Jew and Gentiles. And in fact, uh, when he's talking about in the last, in chapter 13, let every person, oh, excuse me. Oh, I guess it was 12th chapter when he's talking about, let, yeah. For the grace given to us, every man among you not think more highly of himself. That's right. In, 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 in uh, 12.3, he talks about that, how we should not look down on each other. In fact, he mentions it three times in the 12th chapter. So he's talked about it and emphasized this fact of the equality of Jews. Equality in God's eyes as far as being loved by God and being created by God and, and that type of thing, but also equality in God's eyes as far as God's justice goes. And he's made that point as well. So tonight, in the 14th chapter, he's going to talk a little bit about how this, this equality can actually be fleshed out within the church. And he's going to be using two main issues that he's going to be focusing on, and that's dietary restrictions and observance of special days. Now, outside of circumcision, dietary restrictions and observance of special days is probably the two items that were most controversial or, or between the Jew and the Gentile, or the two items that, was the most, that caused the most differing of opinions between the Jew and Gentiles. If you remember, the Jews came from a back, the Jewish Christians in, in the church at Rome came from a Jewish background of very detailed and lengthy dietary restrictions. Uh, there, there were only certain meats that they could eat, and certain meats they could not eat. Uh, the meat had to be drained of all blood in the proper kosher fashion. Uh, and, of course, obviously they could not offer meat or eat meat that had been offered to idols because they believed in so doing, then that would be partaking of, of heathen idol worship. <clears throat> so that was an issue. But the Greeks, on the other hand, did not come from a background of that. The Greeks came from a background of just eating whatever meat they felt like eating. Uh, they had no dietary restrictions. So that was an issue between the two, I'm sure, in the church at Rome. The other thing would be the calendar, the special days, because the Jews had all the festivals and they had all the, the feasts and, and all that thing, which was the background that these Jewish Christians were coming from. This was what they were raised in, was the dietary restrictions and the, the, to keep all the Jewish days. Plus, if you remember, the Jews worshipped, worshipped on the Sabbath, which was actually Saturday, where the Greeks, on the other hand, didn't have all those special feasts and festivals that they necessarily had, except for maybe pagan festivals, and not from their religion. So when they came into Christianity, they didn't carry all this, well, for lack of a better term, all this baggage with them. <clears throat> and plus, they worshipped on Sunday, which was the Lord's Day, which was the day that Christ was resurrected. And as far as they classified Sunday as being the beginning of the week, which really brings up an interesting point. I, I kind of wonder, what day of the week did they worship in, in Rome, you know, in the church at Rome? Uh, I'm thinking about, of course, our church is trying to come up, you know, dealing with, with three services and trying to come up with schedules and this type of thing over how many and where we have services on, on, on Sunday. I'd hate to think if we had to try to start to decide between Saturday or Sunday is the day we're going to worship on. But it may have been an issue at the church in Rome. I don't know. Maybe they had services on both days. Don't know that either. Uh, maybe they worshipped on Sunday because it was primarily a Gentile congregation. If you remember, we're going all the way back to when we first started talking about it. Initially, the church at Rome was Jewish. Then, 
Claudius, I think, was the was the uh, ruler that threw all the Jews out of Rome. So you had this major, mostly Jewish congregation that started getting Gentile converts. And then all the Jews had to leave Rome, which left the Gentile converts behind. So then the church became pretty much totally Gentile. But then after the Jews were allowed to return, then you started having an influx of Jewish believers back into the church. So at this point, it's probably primarily Gentile. So as to whether what day of the week they worship on, I don't know. Um, but those are the two issues that Paul is going to be talking about here. Look at it, uh, chapter 14, reading in verse 1. Now, now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purposes of passing judgment on his opinions. One man has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. Now, he begins by warning the members of the church not to look down on those who follow the dietary restrictions. The one whose faith has no problem with eating meat should not judge the one whose faith would not allow them to eat meat or have them be concerned about eating meat. Just because some eat only vegetables, for fear that some of the Jews there were eating just vegetables for fear of eating meat that may have been possibly offered to an idol. Because they didn't know. In the, in, the, in the heathen Roman worship, they would make a sacrifice of meat to the gods, plural, small g, various and sundry gods. So they would kill this animal, and then they all would offer part of it as a sacrifice to the gods. The rest of that animal was then taken to the market and sold as, as meat for people to buy. So the Jews could go to the market and buy meat, but they really didn't know whether part of that animal had been offered to an idol or not. Plus, they did not know if the animal had been <clears throat> slaughtered in the kosher fashion of draining all the blood and, and all this type of stuff. So, for fear of, of, of getting meat that had been offered to an idol, a lot of the Jews would just opt to be vegetarians. They just wouldn't eat meat at all. Now, what Paul is saying here is this. For those of y'all who have no problem with eating meat, you shouldn't have contempt for those who do and just eat vegetables. Okay? That's basically what he's talking about here. Somebody says that their faith is weak. Yeah. He, he says their faith is weak. Is he talking about like faith in the, in the meat? Or is he talking about, he's not talking about like faith in Christ, right? Jeff, I think he's talking about faith in Christ. But I, it, the, the, the strong and weakness uh, are, are two terms which are, are difficult to, to, to try to narrow down. Uh, I think what he's saying is that the Jews had a little bit more restricted viewpoint on, on these issues. They had so many, and they, and they came from that background. And plus, you have to remember now, the issues he's talking about here have absolutely, I mean, they are just, they're non-essential issues. And he's going to talk about that in just a minute. They're really non-essential issues. You know, God doesn't care whether you eat meat or not. He really doesn't. He doesn't care whether you're vegetarian or, or meat eater. You know, he doesn't really care if you keep all the Jewish holidays or you don't. He doesn't really care. Because you both are loved equally, and he makes he'll make that point. But Paul does refer to their faith as being weaker. And I don't know whether he means less faith or just a faith that hasn't completely grown away from their historical background, you know, of coming out of this tradition of, of not eating meat offered to idols and, and hold and keeping all these festival days. I don't know why he chooses those terms. But Regardless, the point he's making here is those who are of a stronger faith should not look down on those who has a weaker faith. Now, he's going to carry that a little bit further as we get on down into the fifth and fifth verse and reading on down 
where he's going to get, kind of get away from their faith allowing them to eat meat or not and get more into the fact of just their faith as a Christian because some are younger in, in their faith and therefore may have a weaker faith. And I think there are levels of faith, you know, I, as far as strength or weakness goes, I guess. Maybe it's um, the fact that those people that eat meat or whatever, regardless of whether they think it's a poor choice to do so in their religion's laws, that like maybe they have more faith because they understand what he's talking about and they understand that it shouldn't really matter because that would be taking precedent over what you're supposed to be focusing on. Maybe. That may be. As opposed to those people that get so caught up in like, oh, is it cooked in the right pot? Does it do all this? Even if it's something that they believe to be sacred, that maybe it's taking more focus away from God. Yeah. Maybe he's talking about the fact that that those Jews who still hold on to some of these beliefs, these Jewish beliefs, haven't grown out of that in their faith to realize that it really doesn't matter before God. I, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know why he uses the term, but he does. In fact, he goes on to say in the first, first verse of the 15th chapter that he's of the strong faith. When he says, now we who are, among, who are the strong ought to bear the weaknesses. So he, he, he uses the strong and weak terms here. And primarily when it comes to the, to the meat and the calendar days and the festival days. And he goes on in a minute, like as I said, and starts talking about strong and weak in just general faith. And how that should not be an issue of contempt or judgment between believers. That's, what, that's the whole point he's really trying to make here. Okay, where am I? Uh, when he talks about they should not look down on those who don't eat meat as being inferior, that's he was probably talking to the Greeks at that point, because they would be the ones that would not have these, these problems with eating the meat. However, the vegetarian Jews are not to hold the meat-eaters, Greeks, in contempt either. In other words, the Greeks are not supposed to look at them and say, as you just talked about, Jeff, man, your faith is weak. You need to grow up. Neither are the Jews supposed to look at the Greeks and say, you shouldn't be eating that meat, because that's wrong. Paul is basically saying, the meat-eaters and the vegetarians are equal, equally accepted by God. Look at verse 3. Let not him who eats regard with contempt... Him who does not eat, and let and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has accepted both. Okay, this is not a this is not a salvation issue here. This is the whole point Paul is making, and he's going to go on. Well, let's go on. We'll go on with him, all right? And then we'll get to we'll get to the point I'm talking about in just a minute. On verse four, who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and stand he will, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And Paul uses this servant master or slave master comparison here when he says, Jews, Greeks, y'all shouldn't be judging each other. One slave cannot judge another slave as being right or wrong. What makes that slave right or wrong is what their master says about them. Okay? They answer to their master. And here we both answer to, the, to our master, which is Lord Jesus Christ. He says, so we shouldn't be judging each other. It's not our, it's not our job to judge each other. It's not our job to, to look at one as being in the wrong because they eat meat, or one as being less than I am because they don't eat meat. Because we answer to our master. And that's the comparison he's making there. Who are you to judge the servant of another, he says. 
We, we, we both answer to Christ, and we should not be judging each other. Reading verse 5. One man regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. Here again, the same goes for the various days of the week. Are you following the Jewish calendar? And one does and one doesn't. He says it makes no difference because they both are accepted by God. So eating meat, following the calendar, it doesn't make any difference. They both are accepted by God. What you should be doing, though, is to let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. And going back up to his own master, he stands a fall. He says you should be true to your own conscience is the whole point he's trying to make here. And he's going to make that even stronger in just a minute in these verses. That's, what, that's where you're, you should be true to your own conscience. If your conscience says, don't eat meat, then you shouldn't eat meat. If your conscience says, hey, bring on the barbecue, well, then eat barbecue, you know? <laughs> That's fine. But if your conscience says, don't eat meat, then you shouldn't go eat barbecue. You see what I'm saying? Okay, but now, what you just said there, the Jews would need to grow out of their faith to be stronger, but if their conscience was telling them it was wrong to do it, then they shouldn't do it. If you classify the conscience in this sense of being the Holy Spirit, okay, I hear you. God, I'm separating that. I think this is their own conscience. This is not the Holy Spirit telling them this. Yeah, maybe the conscience is not the right word because we is we oftentimes associate conscience with the Holy Spirit. And maybe maybe conscience is not the word. When he goes talks about be fully convinced in your own mind. In other words, Paul is saying if it's a problem, don't do it. Because the Holy Spirit, if they really listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would convince them that it's not a problem. Which Paul is going to go on to say also in just a minute. Maybe what we need to do is study this whole chapter before anybody asks any questions. <laughs> because, because a lot of this he gets to. It's almost like Paul is, you know, he's, no, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Okay. <laughs> Look at verse 6. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. Now, this is the whole key right here. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. And he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives by himself. And not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Whether we eat meat or we don't. Whether we worship on Saturday or Sunday, whether we celebrate all of the Jewish feasts and festival days or we don't, Paul is saying it does not matter. Whatever we do or don't do, we should do it or not do it for the Lord and unto the Lord. For whether we live or die for the Lord, we belong to Him and our lives should be for His glory. For Christ lived and died for us all. So basically... He's, he's making this, this, this connection here between their personal habits should be consistent to what they feel God is leading them to do. Okay? Being true to their own mind again. In other words, everything we do should be done to the Lord anyway. Whether we eat or whether we don't eat. Our personal habits when it comes to food and calendar days and festivals should not be a point of contention between believers. Put it that way. Because again, we all answer to, to, the, to our master and we should all be living unto the Lord. Okay? You live unto the Lord, I'll live unto the Lord. You don't eat meat, that's fine. I happen to eat meat. Okay, so it should not be a, I shouldn't look down on you because I think you've got a weaker faith. You shouldn't look down on me and judge me because I eat meat. 
because we're both living unto the Lord. That should be where our focus is. Not on the personal habits of each other. Our focus should be on us living for the Lord. That should be where our focus is. Verse 10. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us shall give account of himself to God. Whether we eat, whether we don't eat, whether we worship on Saturday, whether we worship on Sunday, whether we follow all the festivals or whether we don't. Paul says, bottom line, you're going to answer before God. So you should live your life as you think God wants you to live your life. And you should base it on what God is telling you, what you think or what you're interpreting God is telling you, or or the way you feel like you should live your life before God, not by what somebody else is doing or not doing. God should be who you look to for your life. Uh, By the way, that quote comes from uh, Isaiah 45, 23. Therefore, we're not to judge one another, for we will all give an account of our lives before the judgment seat of God. And when we stand before the judgment seat of God, guys, I promise you, the question that we're going to be answering standing before the judgment seat of God is not whether we were vegetarians or meat eaters. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be what he's asking. He's going to want to know, did you live for my glory? That's going to be the question. This is what Paul is saying here. Apparently, this was a major point of contention between a lot of the churches. And if you read over in uh, Corinthians, I think he brings up the same issue again about eating the meat offered to idols. There was what has been referred to as the Council of Jerusalem, which is found in the 15th chapter of Acts, I think where Paul and Barnabas went, was, were called back to Jerusalem and, and they had this big discussion about Gentiles and, and should the Gentiles follow the Jewish laws and customs and this type of thing. And they reached this compromise to where uh, they sent out a letter to all the Gentiles because the, 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 letter, the, the statement was made that they didn't want Gentiles to not be able to come to Christ because of whatever. And they said, okay, as long as you, you, know, if, as long as you just try not to, to eat blood, you know, don't eat meat that you know has been offered to an idol, and, and, and don't eat blood. Then you'll be okay. You know, and it was kind of a compromise between the Jewish restrictions and, and the Gentile non-restrictions. So, and, and this is the point Paul is making. Is, is this, this is not a salvation issue here. We're not talking about accepting Christ or not. We're not talking about coming before God in repentance. We're not talking about uh, being justified, sanctified, redeemed. We're talking about just personal habits here, dietary habits. And Paul is saying, guys, it really doesn't matter. What matters is how you're living your life before God and how your relationship is to God. Are you being true to your, your, your beliefs and true to your relationship with God? Because that's going to be the end question. Uh, like I said, when we get to the judgment seat, he's not going to ask whether we eat meat or not. It's going to be, did you live for my glory? That's going to be the key questions. Eating meat and what day you worshipped on is not, not a deal breaker. <laughs> you know, it really isn't. And this is the whole point of this whole chapter is you're talking about here. Plus his, his warning here about judging each other. That, that's another one of his key points. That we should not judge it just because your personal habits are different than my personal habits. We should not judge one another. But however, in these verses 13 now, he's carrying this 
this, okay, I can eat meat because I, I, I don't think that's going to interfere with my, with my face and my relationship with Christ. He's carried it to a different level now. He's basically saying, listen, if you want to eat meat, eat meat. First of all, don't judge the one who doesn't. If you don't eat meat, don't judge the one who does. Because we're all going to answer to God. We should be living unto God. We should be having our, our lives lived unto God. But now he's going to carry this one step further. And this is where some people really get a little upset about Paul here <laughs> in these verses. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Verse 14. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. Basically, Paul is saying, okay, not only are you not to judge the one who, Jep, as you said, and as he says, he uses the phrase weaker faith. Not only are you not to judge them as being less than you. He says, but at the same time, if, if you're in a group uh, that you know have a problem with eating meat, then you shouldn't eat meat. You may not have a problem with it, but you know they do. So you should not you should not do it because everything everything that we do should be done out of love love for our fellow brother we should not flaunt our beliefs in front of believers who think otherwise now now again wait a minute now we're talking about personal habits here we're not talking about salvation issues okay let's keep that separate. Yeah, we, I don't think we should flaunt our faith in front of a, a Hindu or a Buddhist, but we should certainly stand up for our, our beliefs in Jesus Christ as the only one way to heaven and all of that. But as to whether we eat meat or don't, I mean, you know, this is what Paul is talking about here. These, these personal habits, these non-essential issues here. He says, otherwise Paul may become a stumbling block and cause his brother to stumble. Just because Paul, and he says that in verse uh, 14. For I know I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean. Paul says, listen, I don't have a problem with eating meat. I really don't. Nothing is unclean. Christ, by the way, says the same thing over in Mark. Uh, there's a section in there, um, Mark 14, I think, where Christ basically says, you know, it's not what you eat that defiles a man. It's not what comes, goes into the mouth that defiles a man. It's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. And then his disciples later pull him on the side and say, whoa, 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 Lord, what was, can you explain that? And Christ probably thought, yeah, I can, but when are y'all ever going to get on the program? But anyways, <laughs> he says, listen, guys, when you eat something, it doesn't go into your heart. It goes into your stomach and it's passed out of your body. So that doesn't defile you. That's what Christ says directly. He says, that doesn't defile you because it doesn't go into your heart. He said, well, what comes out of a man? In other words, our speech, which is the indication of our attitudes. That's what defiles a man because that comes out of a man's heart. And if we have words of hatred and anger and contempt and judgment, that comes out of a heart filled with hate, hatred and anger and contempt and judgment. He says, that's what defiles a man. It's not what you eat. And basically, I think there's a parenthetical phrase in the Scripture there which says, when he says that, which says, basically, he, Christ claims all food is, is, fine, is clean. You know, it's, it's not a problem. 
because it's, what, it's not what you eat that's going to defile you because that does not go to your heart. It just goes into the stomach and it's passed out of the body. This is what Paul is basically saying here. Hey, eat whatever you want to. But if I'm around weaker, he uses the phrase there, Jeb, brothers or brothers who have not reached that point in their Christian growth to where they realize it's not what you eat and they still have this hang-up over traditional dietary restrictions and, and he says, then fine, I should not flaunt my stronger faith in their face. Don't throw it in their face. He said, because it, it, there's a fear of it becoming a stumbling block for them. If my eating meat is going to cause one of them to start really questioning things in relationship to Jesus Christ, and it becomes a stumbling block for them, he says, then although me eating meat is not wrong, if I'm doing it in causing us, my, one of my weaker brothers to stumble, then it is wrong. Actually, what I'm doing, I'm doing the right thing, but it's actually wrong. Now, how about that for a statement? <laughs> for if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. Because it goes back to that one con that concept of everything we do should be done out of love. And yes, that is agape. It's the, it's, 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 the, it's the unselfish love. In other words, love should be the standard that we live by, not our freedom to eat meat. That should be our standard. Okay? Moving on, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by man. Here's where Paul spells it out. He says, listen, guys. You know, eating meat, not eating meat, that's not what the kingdom of God is all about. It's living for God. That's what the kingdom of God is about. It's about righteousness and peace and joy. That's what the kingdom of God is about. Don't make these other things an issue among you. It really should not be an issue. Do what you think you should do as far as eating meat or not eating meat or, or worshiping on Saturday or worshiping on Sunday. Do what you think you ought to do. Be true to yourself. But don't judge each other as being wrong because they don't do it the way you do it. Because the kingdom of God, ultimately, it, it really doesn't matter. It's how we live our lives before Christ. It's how we glorify Christ. That's what matters. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness and peace and joy. And he goes on in verse uh, 19. So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. That should be our goal. It should not be the goal of making everybody think and act like we do when it comes to meat eating and worship days. That shouldn't be our goal. Our goal should be the building up and strengthening of each other. Our goal should be living in righteousness and peace and joy. Our goal should be a unity. Verse 20, Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. So then we should, we should be concerned not about what our brother is eating or not eating, we should be concerned about doing or not doing whatever is necessary to build up and strengthen our brother in Christ. And particularly within the church. Remember, he's writing this letter to a church. He's not writing it to an individual. 
He said, he's writing to the church in Rome. He says, guys, don't let this become an issue. Saturday, Sunday, meet, not meet, you know, all the other. Don't let it become an issue. That's not what the kingdom of heaven is made about. So don't judge each other. Don't try to make other people be like you are. Just be true to yourself and let others be true to themselves in these non-essential issues. Now, remember, we're talking about non... I want to say non-salvic... That ain't even a word. Non... Not, no, I can't make it that. I, no, no, I can't... Salvic. I think I read that somewhere. S-A-L-V-I-C. Non-salvational. Okay, yeah. Non-salvational issues, you know? <laughs> Let it go. It's like an Archie Bunker here. <laughs> I make up my own words. You know, he's talking about non-salvational issues here. He's talking about personal habits. He's talking about dietary habits. He's talking about uh, following holy days or not, you know? Don't let that become a division. Don't let that become a, a point of judgment and contempt, contempt one for the other. And don't let it become a point of division among you. Don't let it become a point of contention. Don't let it become a point of rift or dissension because it shouldn't. It shouldn't. What you should be, do, what you should be concerned about is not whether your brother is eating meat like you are or not eating meat like you are. What you should be concerned about is how can you build up and strengthen your brother in love and how you can have righteousness and joy and peace among the fellowship. That should be the focus, not personal dietary habits. Okay? And he spent a whole chapter talking about this. So it must have been a pretty big issue. But dietary habits should not be a point of disruption of the unity of the believers. Don't tear down, verse 20, don't tear down the work of God for the sake of food. You know? He says, don't let this become something that becomes, that, that destroys the fellowship, that destroys that righteousness, peace, and joy that he's talked about up in verse 17. Don't let this become like that. Don't fall into that temptation. Okay? Verse 22. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Notice he said, be true to yourself. If you don't think you should, eat, you should eat meat, then don't eat meat. If you think it's okay to eat meat, then eat meat. But not if you cause somebody else to stumble. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he is eating, for his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. No, you're right, David. Whatever we do, we should live by our own convictions. If we abide by what we believe God is showing us that we should do, then we'll be okay. And be concerned about what God is showing you, what your convictions are. Don't be concerned about somebody else's, unless you may be causing something, putting something in their path that causes them to stumble. Now, Paul has says this in, in a lot of ways. In fact, I have just realized something just recently, actually. A couple of weeks ago, I was, uh, I was reading through Colossians, and as I've gone through Romans here, I keep thinking, I've heard this before. You know, I've heard this before. And it's, it's like Romans is, is kind of a, a summary of all his other letters. You know, it really is, because he seems like he's taken all of his teachings and all of his other letters, all of his other letters, except for those teachings that were specific to specific problems within the church he was writing to. Well, all of his theological beliefs, he just kind of summarized them all in the Romans. 
because you know we, we talked about uh, gifts of the Spirit in Romans. Well, that's over in First Corinthians. He's talked about eating meat to the idols. Well, that's over in some of his other letters as well. He's talked about putting on Christ. That's almost a direct quote from Ephesians that he wrote before this. You know, so, so a lot of these things tie together. And here he's talking about causing your brother to stumble. And he's, he talks about that in some of his other letters as well. So it's kind of, kind of a summary of all that. But basically what he's saying here is we should not let personal dietary habits interfere with the unity and the brotherhood of fellowship within the church. Non-salvicate. Non-sal- I'm going to get that out, man. Non-salvicate. You can't... I, salvation. Non-salvicate. Non-essential issues dealing with salvation. We'll put it that way. Uh, obviously, we need to be very, very unyielding in issues that deal with salvation. And if we see someone who is not abiding by those, and yes, we should in love correct them and, and encourage them to get it straight. But dietary habits, you know, shouldn't be that way. It should not be. And apparently, like I said, apparently it was a big issue in the early church because he talks about that in several letters. Apparently this was a, a bone of contention between the Jews and Gentiles. And he said it shouldn't be. Apparently it was also a temptation that Satan was using to destroy the fellowship within the church, too. From the way he kept talking about, don't judge one another, you know, because it's very easy to be that way. It's very easy to look down, as you talked about, Jeff, looking down on a weak, and classifying them as being weaker Christians, you know. Maybe they're just younger Christians as far as maturity in their faith. The faith has not matured to the point that Paul's has or that another person has. But he flips that around the other way. The strong should not put down the weak. The weak should not judge the strong. Because we all answer to God. We all live to God and live for His glory. I have found it interesting. And this just goes back to, I guess, my background. Uh, I did do a double take. Or, I shouldn't say shocked is not the word. Maybe surprised or maybe just kind of went, oh. Um, I remember attending a wedding reception not too long ago and was surprised, I guess is the right word to say, surprised by not only how many, but surprised by who these individuals were who were opting for the beer and wine as opposed to the diet and soft drinks. Didn't jump up and, you know, feel like they should be kicked out of the, 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 the deaconship and should be excommunicated from the church. No. I was just surprised, you know? Because in my raising up through the church, that was just a no-no. Now, you didn't do it ever. Except maybe in the deep, dark recesses of your home. you know, Never out in public. But um, I was just surprised. And this is kind of what Paul is talking about here. It's not an issue. It really isn't. But I, I guess I can just see where Paul is coming from here or how it could be an issue in the church, particularly when it comes to... When you think about these Jewish Christians coming into the Christian faith and having to, to rethink their definition of religion in a lot of ways. They're still worshiping the one true God, that's true. But it's now a relationship based on grace, not based on works. 
And that's a, you know, that's a, that's a difficult concept, a difficult change. And this is what Paul is saying. This is why he feels like they're, they're weaker or they're less mature, possibly, in their faith. Because they, they're still trying to grapple with this grace and works type conundrum they're in. But then you got the Jews, I mean the, Gent, the Greeks, who didn't come from that background. And they're coming into experiencing the grace of God afresh and new with no baggage. So they don't have these, these lingering historical issues to deal with. They're not having to redefine their religion. Just, they just found religion. You know, they're just experiencing the grace of God. The Jews are experiencing the grace of God, but wow, it's, you know, for centuries, you know, thousands of years, it was based on law and living righteous, not based on grace and being declared righteous. So it was a major change for them in their concept and in their thinking and in their definition of religion or their definition of relationship with God, with Yahweh. Because yeah. I asked um, a lady in my office, she's working in my office, and uh, she's Jewish. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, why do you continue to do this? I said, obviously, we're putting the rules for, to protect you from you know, pork and you know, trichinosis and all that. We don't do that anymore. And she said, she said, yeah, I don't have to worry about the illness part. She says, but if I don't do this, I'm not separate. I'm not, you know, I'm, this is my identity. This is this what makes me separate. Yes. We separate ourselves from the world mm-hmm. by following these rules so that they know that we are Jewish, that we, you know, we have this faith. And I'm, you know, if that's what defines your faith or showed you to the world as being different, when you didn't have to do that, I'm not different anymore. I'm not special. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're right. That that is that is what that was a distinguishing mark of the Jews: circumcision, dietary restrictions. But that was a distinguishing mark of the Jews. That's what distinguished them from the other nations. That's what it was was circumcision, their their dietary restrictions, uh, and their festival worship, and and their worship, the way they worshipped, and these rules that they had, the, the law based on the Ten Commandments and then going forward. That is what made them. That, that was their identity. And their identity was the chosen people of God, Yahweh, the one true God. And that's where they associated their identity. That's, what, that, that's why they were Jewish, because they were circumcised. They did not eat pork. They didn't eat shellfish. They, you know, they, did, they did not have any contact with blood. And the meat they did eat, they drained and prepared kosherly. Sabbath, the Sabbath they kept holy. You know, that's what the, was distinguishing them, made them special in that sense from all the other nations. And and for a Jew to come from that background into the grace of God, it was tough. It was tough to totally separate yourself from from that old stuff. But the Greeks had not didn't have that problem. You know, they really didn't. All the Greeks had to live by was the moral code. Because they came from the, you know, it, it, a lot of them, I'm assuming, came from the, uh, the moral code of, of Rome and society in that day, which was, you know, de- debauchery and drunkenness and all this type of stuff. But not the dietary restrictions, not the festival and holidays, not the circumcision. Because remember, we talked about that, that there were no Jews until circumcision. You know, Abraham was the first Jew. There was no nation of Jews. There was no nation called Jews until Abraham. And the circumcision and the covenant 
and, and, and of course the law came 460 something years later but the covenant relationship with Yahweh sealed by circumcision that's when the Jewish nation started before then they were just people so these were the things that, that distinguished the, Jew, the Jewish nation from all the other nations all the other nations didn't worship the way the Jews did the one God they worshipped many gods they did sacrifice yeah but they didn't have the same type of sacrifices that the Jews had they didn't celebrate these festivals. They didn't keep a day holy. You know, they didn't do all these things which the Jews did because that's what made them separate, different from all the other nations. And then to come into the grace of God to where you now have this relationship with God totally because of God desiring that with you and not something that you have to earn. That's, it was tough. It was tough. And henceforth, we have an entire chapter spent on it. <laughs> One sixteenth of the book of Romans. <laughs> Pray with me. Father, you know, some of these things are kind of difficult for us to really grasp. I mean, Father, you know, we, our dietary restrictions are nowhere near what the Jews used to have. And, and we don't understand the fact that they may have had a problem eating pork. We don't. So we, we don't have that background. Yeah, we worship on Sunday. We probably we worship on Sunday all our, all our lives, not Saturday. So, Lord, some of these things, uh, like the many of the Greeks back in Paul's day, were just kind of difficult for us to understand. But help us at least learn the point of what he's trying to say, Father, and that is that whatever non-essential things, where there's dietary restrictions or or just personal attitudes and, and personal habits. That should not be something that separates us or causes dissension within the body of Christ. For we all loved by you equally, whether we eat meat or whether we don't, vegetarians and meat eaters alike. And secondly, Father, don't let us fall into the temptation of judging or holding or having others in contempt because they don't live up to our standards of personal habits. That's the real danger of thinking of ourselves better than them or thinking of them less than us. So forgive us, Father, when those thoughts enter our minds. And may we truly live in the body of Christ with the sole purpose of strengthening and building up one another. May that be our goal, for indeed, that is what we'll answer to you for. Not whether we had barbecue or not. Thank you, Father. Be with us now, Lord, this week. Walk with us as we walk with you, guiding, directing, and strengthening us, and using us for your glory. For this is my prayer in and through the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, my Savior and Lord, and my very bestest friend. Amen and amen. I want to thank you for being with us tonight. And as always, if you have any questions or comments or even suggestions for future studies, since we are winding up the Book of Romans, please send me an email. My address is davidlkeel at gmail.com. So until next time, it will be my prayer that you and I both will focus our lives on living for the Lord rather than judging one another.
May God bless you.